Welcome back to Crash the Pond Podcast. It has been almost two weeks-ish. No, just over a week. Just over a week. When was our last podcast? Last Wednesday. What's today, Thursday? Yeah. I forgot we did it. I forgot (laughs) we did it on Wednesday last week. For anyone that doesn't know, part of the reason that the show is late this week, partially we did it because of the games this week and trying to schedule around those a little bit. The other part is Felix had had a little bit of a fun week with uh, law school, so yeah, his, his brain is all over the place right now. Yeah, if I sound delirious, or I should say more delirious than usual, it's probably because you I've, are because I haven't slept basically yeah. in a, in a little while. So yeah, this should be a fun show though. We have Ducks hockey, actual hockey games to talk about. We have more contract scuttlebutt, so it'll be a fun, quick hitting show, but. Before we do that, though, do you want to wish uh, or send out our condolences uh, to the Nick Cordillas and his family? Because, as you may have probably heard by now, died in a tragic, uh, I think it was a motorcycle accident. Yeah. And, look, I didn't know Nick Cordillas. I will never ever feel the same grief that anyone close to him is feeling. But there is something just kind of gut punchy about, hey, that's someone that we saw, like, out on the ice like playing hockey like that was a that was a part of this thing and now just knowing that that person is gone it, it, it's just it's weird it hits home in a weird way for us because we spend so much time watching this this team yeah and i mean it's weird because i remember him coming up and really kind of you want to see him make the team because orange county native really the first orange county native to be drafted by the ducks work his way up through the system and eventually make his debut with the Ducks uh, organization. And while he didn't play many games, it was only, what was it, overall seven games? Uh, no. Yeah. yeah, seven games overall. In, but four playoff games in the 16-17 playoff run to the, what was that, the run to the conference final. He got four games in that playoffs, playoff run. So while not playing a significant amount of time with the Ducks, he played a significant amount of time with the goals and was a native, and it's just, Sad, just just really, really sad. Outside of the context of him even being a player uh, on the Ducks, removing all of that, this is a 29 year old kid that was uh, tragically killed uh, in a motorcycle accident, and just sad. Yeah, it's very much a bummer. So condolences, and yeah, just it, there's just not really much nope. much more else we can really say on that. Moving forward, though. We're going to talk about preseason games and our impressions of the team because I think that there's a lot of fun to get into. But before we get to the fun, I think we should get the less fun out of the yeah. way first, which yep. is basically just more updates on the Trevor Zegers, Jimmy Drysdale front. And it just doesn't sound like it's going anywhere. Yeah. And, and so one of the bigger things to come out about that was actually on the Chris Johnson show. And it, there wasn't really actually a whole lot of news from it but there was a whole lot of i think inferences you can make really the only news to come out of the report was that uh basically trevor zegris's camp and the ducks did meet this week and there's not really anything positive that has come out of that uh they have basically like we all know have agreed on short term but there's a pretty big gulf between the two of them when it comes uh to a monetary uh compensation to, to, the, the, AAV. Deal, to the AAV, and so What it really sounds like is, I mean, this is, I I have a little bit of a transcript here, but, uh, 
Your transcript uh, is an AI like one hundred percent. I use Microsoft Word and put the, put my microphone to my speaker to at least you do said, something. When you said transcript, I thought like, oh, bullet points, cool. But this is just like a wall of text. But it's better than nothing. I I started transcribing it and I got like a little bit in. I was like, there has to be a faster way to just like use AI to help myself out with yeah. this. Um, and so really, the thing that kind of stands out to me is that. Chris Johnson points out that he's heard that Zegris is really rock solid in terms of what he believes he's at, because one of the things that he thinks is that uh, maybe the play of the ducks are, it can go either way, right? Of as you get closer to camp, maybe the players start getting antsy. Maybe they, their teammates start reaching out to them and kind of say, sign a deal to get here. And, and that kind of starts to happen. Whereas kind of pointed out Zegris, he's not really getting that feel at all from what he's heard. He's rock solid in terms of where he believes he's at. Um, Drysdale's a little bit of a different case, and it's kind of interesting that that hasn't gone there, especially with the fact that Drysdale has two more seasons until he has arbitration. So there's not really a whole lot of context there. Um, but the one thing that kind of stuck out to me, or the biggest point that stuck out to me, is specifically with Trevor Zegers. It seems like it's, and this is specifically what Chris Johnson said, I think it's a case of a difference of opinion about when a player should be paid in his career and how much he should be paid. That's, I think, the line that sticks with me from this. Yeah. I mean, again, we don't really know what's actually being reported as factual and what's kind of just him speaking Opinions. generally. I, I would say most of this is opinion outside of there was a meeting this week. Yeah. So they are meeting, which is, I guess, what you would Good. expect if you're trying to resolve a situation and sign a contract. I think that what I'm what I'm getting from all of this is that Basically, when you're an RFA, that you the 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 common conception is that you have no leverage, and in a lot of ways you don't. You know, you don't have any actual tools available to you. The tools that you do have available to you, I think, are more like they're more like uh, a club than you know a fine tooth comb. You, it, it gets ugly when you want to use your leverage as an RFA. You're going to hold out from games in the preseason. You're mm-hmm. going to miss training camp, and eventually it gets really muddy and you miss regular season games. And I think the Zegers camp is just kind of saying, okay, like you don't want to, you don't want to come to where we are. We're willing to, to take this into the mud. And that is, that is the leverage quote unquote that they have because there's nothing else that they can do that. Like the way that the Zegers contract is shaking out this contract negotiation, same with Drysdale, is just yet another reflection on kind of this weird RFA system that we have in the NHL where yeah. RFAs are kind of forced to do these things to, to exert any kind of leverage in their contract negotiation. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. And it's almost like you're kind of, this is what you have to do to get what you think you're worth, right? Yep. If you don't, you're kind of at the mercy of the team. And it feels like, and this is now, I'm going to be clear here. This is my opinion from listening to that podcast to kind of, thinking through a lot of things, it really feels like Verbeek and Bob Murray was in the same mindset and we've been critical of him. So I'm going to flip the switch. I know I've kind of given him a little bit of time here with this negotiation and said, we don't know, but my opinion is flipping now a little bit on this and going to be critical of Verbeek here. This is a similar mindset of you're paying someone for what they've done in the past instead of trying to project out what they're going to be. And when you project out what they're going to be and pay them based upon that, sure, it may reset the market internally within your team. And that is the tough part of this, right? Is 
what's what's the impact of this going to be long term uh as you have all of these guys that are coming up and that's an important point of this is that this sets the market for leo carlson for mason mctavish for all of these guys right because if they go into negotiations and Paverby can say okay zegris signed for this you're not going to get more than that because you did not produce more than more than him for that right like it, it's a benchmark for an easy negotiation on the next ones but having said that I think that RFA should be paid because those are their prime production years. And so those are the time when a player should be paid. And it sounds like that is what Pat Brisson, that is what Trevor Zegras is, are angling for of these are the, the best years of his career. Age yeah. 24 to 28 are your best years of your career. That is when you should be getting paid your most. And especially with the fact of it seems like the NHL is trending that way and not paying guys as much when they get to the 28, 29 year old deals. Um, as much except and, if you're Beak. True. Fair. <laughs> but the I mean that's kind of the point though, right? Here is that well, the it, league starting, is trending that way. It's starting to look like Paverbeek has it backwards on contracts. Correct. And Correct. that that is a very troubling sign because again, this is all just us kind of trying to read what these reports are saying and maybe taking the lightest inference possible. But if this really comes down to Paverbeek doesn't want to pay Zegers more because he's not willing to pay that kind of projection type contract for an RFA. Like he's swimming upstream because that's where the NHL is going. Correct. On the flip side of that, and just a very slight pushback, that is where it's going on eight year deals, guys coming off their ELCs. A three year deal bridge is a little bit of a different story here. Right. And the reason for that is a three year deal is more team friendly. So as a result of that, you need to pay them a little bit less. And that is just where it's at. And so if this is just, kind of laying a bunch of stuff out there if this if trevor's egress is and his camp are saying we want the same aav regardless if it's a three-year deal or an eight-year deal then that's a flaw because that's just not how it works because an eight-year deal is going to be extremely yeah. uh team friendly term so you pay more as a result of that but whereas we, a th- but we don't know that like no we, i know yeah like th- this I, is the this is the danger of like getting into these hypotheticals is that true it, it almost sounds like th- we're saying that's what's happening when it's not, or at least well, we don't know it, that it is. We've done this a bunch, just laying out that there's a bunch of different ways that this could be playing out. But I think the one thing to kind of go back to from this this uh, podcast that Chris Johnson, who is a really good insider um, and has really good information, it just kind of leads me down the path of it feels like Pat Verbeek is negotiating backwards in terms of he's behind the eight ball with how the NHL sees things and where things which, are going. Which is and, weird because you think like, hey, Jeff Solomon is in that front office but but to be fair, Solomon was a agent back when, and when these deals were much tougher to get, and you kind of just took what the team was was giving you, and players weren't getting these deals when he was last well, a player. I, th- agent. I think that honestly, it could it could be a scenario where Pat Verbeek and Jeff Solomon are looking at those deals, those these eight year deals, and saying, are these actually working out for teams? And the problem is, like, we're still kind of in the infant stages of these these types. Of, yeah, like, we haven't seen them fully play out. Like, so it, it's tough to say. I mean, I think that the one contract comparable that maybe Zegers is asking for in a three year deal would be the Jason Robertson deal. Yeah, which was three times seven point seven five. And if he's asking for that, I just don't know if that is a good ask by him because Robertson, the season before that contract kicked in. So let's see, his his most recent deal he signed, when did he sign it? 
He signed it on October 6, 2022. So he signed it at the beginning of last year. He had already had a 79-point season. Like, Trevor Zegras has had a 65-point season, and that's great, but he hasn't had a 41-goal season to his name. And so if he's kind of trying to get into that ballpark, using that as a comp, and again, this is an if. Please, folks, mind the word if here, because we don't know. That would be unreasonable. But I just have to think that Papersan is a high-powered agent who gets deals done all the time, is not new to this game, and I just... Like, I, like if you're if you're making these kind of asks this late into the game, like you're just wasting everyone's time. You're wasting your own client's time because no one is going to sign that kind of deal, and you're wasting the team's time. So I, I have a hard time imagining that that's what they're asking for. So I was curious. I went back and looked at Jason Robertson's Evolving Wild projection from last year, and on a three-year term, he was projected at 6.4 mil. Um, and what did he get? He got 7 mil is what he was at? Yeah. Do you have the actual contract? Oh, 7.7. he was projected at 6.4 per evolving hockey. So he got a big, like he got a big contract and, and and that probably hurt. Oh, sorry. It was a four year deal. I should correct. Was it four? Four years. Yeah. Okay. Four, seven, three, four, 7.179. I mean, the one I come back to a little bit here and I think there are going to be flaws with the comparison because I think this player was better defensively at the time, but Elias Pettersson, because Elias Pettersson has the same exact agent as Trevor Zegers. They are both represented by Pat Brisson. Uh, he signed a three-year deal coming off his uh, coming off his entry-level contract. And I believe if you, because uh, on Cap Friendly you can go back in time and you can also modify the salary cap to make it the same as today. Um, so he signed that I think in 2020. And so if I make the salary cap the same as today, he was projected on a three-year deal to get 5.95, whereas Zegers yeah. think is 5.7. So from a projection standpoint, there's a very easy comparable there, right? Where yeah. from a, like evolving hockey has them projected the same amount. And Elias Patterson got what? Three times like seven and a half. Mm-hmm. And so that to me is probably the comparison they're making on a three-year deal is yeah. seven, seven million based on the Patterson deal. Cause Brisson has that in his back pocket. Cause that was a deal that he got. I think that, I think that the trouble with the situation is that the Ducks have... We know nothing. <laughs> well, I mean, outside of that. Like, we've, we've belabored that point. Yeah. But the trouble is that if you're if you're Trevor Zegras, you're looking at the Anaheim Ducks that have 16 million in cap space, and you're just thinking, like, I don't... Like, the fact that you're squeezing me, if they are, which, I mean, they kind of are at this point, it just... It can't come across very well when you're looking at cap-friendly. Like, like, as the player, right? It's like, you have the money to give me... I I have shown that I am worth this money. There are comparable contracts that I can make an argument for, right? Like as a individual player, you must feel a little bit like not great about that. Yeah, I think you would. I don't think that factors. I mean, it might. This is all an un, like. I mean, it players, might. Players pay attention to what everyone makes. Like one hundred percent. But I I don't they're not, know. They're not playing for free. I think probably you're more so frustrated that a deal's not done. I don't know if you're necessarily going to factor in the fact that cap space is there. Well, but let's say you're the agent, right? It's this. Let's say you're the agent. You are looking at the cap space. You're looking at everything, and so True. it's it's Fair. hard. It's hard to take the team seriously if they're penny pinching you when they have a bunch of money to, to give out. Fair, and th- and that they are giving out to other people in different situations, but that yeah. they are giving out. 
I don't buy the argue the the argument though of people saying this is going to sour the relationship between the player and the team because at the end of the day he's under club control for so long. I guess that's maybe what I'm pushing back on a little bit here of that narrative that's happening. That well, it all our, depends. Our, it all depends how it ends. How it ends is is to me the the biggest factor. Look at look at the Troy Terry. This is maybe where you can compare the Troy Terry situation. Is that Troy Terry and the Ducks got on the goal line with arbitration? Like they were. Troy Terry was like, you know, had his suit on, was ready to go to the hearing and the deal got done. And now you hear him talking interviews about, oh, you know, we had this great dinner that week and we kind of just brought it down to a human level. Like, I think that how it ends ends up coloring your recollection of how it went. Well, and yeah. So, and, and so if if this ends in a deal that everyone is mutually dissatisfied with, then it's a then I think it'll be OK. And then, I mean, here's where I'm at. If there's three, if we're three, two, three years from now, right? And he signed a three-year deal. And the Ducks are contending. The Ducks are in a playoff push. Everything is going well. No one's going to remember the fact that he held out. Like, as in, people will remember it, but there's going to be no bad blood because of it, right? Yeah, potentially. Like, that. that's, I guess, where I'm getting out of. I don't necessarily buy this being, like, a bad blood situation. At the end of the day, winning cures all. And if the Ducks end up, if Paverbeek is able to build a winning team, that is what matters more than this, this negotiation um, going longer. Yeah, I'm glad people in the chat are pointing out that your volume is high because I have my volume on the lowest possible setting, and my ears are just getting... My bad. I'm lowering my, vo- I'm lowering my volume. Okay. I've been um, doing that to test it. I've also lowered my gain. So thank yeah. you. As this always, people live watching chat. live, if you hear things that are too loud, volume, different things like that, let me know. And, now my, and now my ears are happier. But um, there you go. We just, again, this is where it's just so hard to get into these conversations because when I listen to other people talk about it and I hear them have strong takes on it, I'm like, well, we don't know. So that's why I feel like us going too far down the rabbit hole is also fair. Yes. It, you know, it'd be hypocritical to, to have these big takes. My own personal opinion of where this is going, though, I could see Trevor Zegers missing regular season games. I like, agree. I, th- I think that the preseason is possibly just the start of this thing. Yeah. Because, I, the, because the way you think about it, right, they were working towards that deadline of the of training camp starting. Now that training camp has started – it's almost like, well, the cat's out of the bag there anyway. The the toothpaste's out of the tube. So what's the next possible deadline that they can work against? Regular season, right? And so that's going to be another leverage point for, for the Zegers side. So I could see him missing some regular season games. And, and hey, maybe that's a good place to set your expectations because if he ends up signing, you know, with, then you feel better. But that's where I see it going. The dry still part still is just weird to me. It's still just very odd that that's not done. Like, it, I, I just, I have zero read well, yeah, or so, opinion. So, so that's my thing, right? Is like, is it really two players just being so unreasonable? Or is this maybe a trend with how management negotiates with its young players? Like, we just yeah. don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, one thing we haven't talked about here that I think is worth bringing up, and someone actually mentioned to me in a DM is, one interesting point is the fact of qualifying offers after this mm-hmm. and how the final year salary does impact that. And so there is maybe some bartering over that and where that ends up for Zegris as a result of that, because that impacts what the next deal at minimum will be with yeah. the QO. So there are, there are a lot of moving parts and it's not a completely simple thing. I it, guess that's my, my point. It, it's not a completely simple thing. Like these people are paid a lot of money to make these decisions. Mm-hmm. And I think that's for, 
for a reason, but also it's not, it's not that complicated either. Right. It's just something someone has to come off of their, someone has to come yeah. off of their number. Yeah. Cause that's I just what it wish, feels like. I, I wish we just knew what the numbers were. I'm yeah. dying to know what the numbers are. Yeah. It, it definitely feels like it's a situation where each side has their number both are being steadfast with it and neither party wants to meet anywhere. And so I, I agree with, with that being the case. I think that, uh, I think he's going to miss games. I think that's kind of where this is going. Yeah. I just think that it's clear to me that they, you know, that Zegris, because this is him at the end of the day is okay with using whatever leverage he has. Which and, more power to him. Like take and, advantage of all the leverage that you can get. It sucks from our perspective of not being able to watch him. It sucks from the perspective of potentially hurting the team because he's <laughs> going to come in a little bit later. Right. But do what you need to do to make your money. You only have a certain amount of time well, yeah. to make your money. And and this kind of puts a bow on it because it's like I was saying in the beginning, this is a pro- like people, if people are mad at Trevor Zegers or mad at Jamie Drysdale, I think that you need to re-examine why you're upset because look at the way the NHL system is set up. These guys at their at their young age where they are playing their best their best hockey where you know it's the young players that are really driving the success of teams around the league. They don't they're put in a position where they they have no other way of exerting leverage. Like this is all that they have and so they are now more than ever in NHL history willing to kind of go to these lengths. And I, I support that because I think that I think the system needs to change. I don't yep. think that agree like, like these situations are not good for fans, right? It's not good to have your star, your young star players missing games. It's not good for organizations because it can potentially sour the relationship. Even if it ends up not, it, it could, right? Like this is not a productive situation and so I don't know what the NHL, if this will ever change in the NHL, but I think we just need to find a way to change the age for UFA, you know, change how when arbitration kick, can kick in. But it, it's just this to me is all just a product of the way the system is currently set up. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, it's a leverage play and the only leverage that they have is this. And it sucks because yep. we want we want to watch these guys play hockey like that. We don't care. Nobody follows the sport for contract disputes at the end of yep. the day. Yep. Just make arbitration eligible after the, after the ELC. Yeah. Some something has got to give. Um, mm-hmm. But we. Sh- so what else do we have to talk about? The games. I feel like there's the one other thing. Okay. Just okay. the games. Okay. Well, I mean, you're. We can just start with your general impressions because the Ducks played last night. They, they've they, played three games. I think they beat the Sharks last night. They did. They've won. They, they've won all three games. They're three and zero. They're winning the preseason cup. <laughs> oh, that's right. They won the game on was it Sunday? Yes. They they won on Sunday against I forget who they played. L.A. It was they, it was the useless game where L.A.'s entire team was in Australia, so there were nobodies. So then the Ducks also pretty much played Leo Carlson plus a bunch of nobodies. Wow, I think there were a couple of disrespectful. Like, Sam Carrick, Sam Dis- Carrick, disrespectful Brock to McGinn. Jackson Lacombe and his two Jack- goals. Like, okay, yes, there were some players. Hey, you were but- the one telling me those were impressive goals, and now, now I was the saying- one saying that you were shitting on them too much. And then, and then Chase DeLeo. Oh, sorry, I meant sixty nine. Sixty nine was in the game. <laughs> hey, if you make that your jersey number, I said it in my video. Like, you are bringing attention. <laughs> you to yourself. refused to say the number in the video, though. No, no. Well, I, I forget what I was. I forget what I did. I like drew sixty nine on the, like not the not the. <laughs> were act, you afraid? But the were number. you afraid of YouTube because it was a shorter form video? Uh, 
doing something to you, whereas now we're 24 minutes into a video, so you're fine? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm just saying that if you make that your number... Oh, by the way, I got ratioed by Chase DeLeo this week. You, I should you probably did. bring that up on Twitter. I tweeted out, can someone explain to me why Chase DeLeo, uh, where's that number? And Chase DeLeo responded with like a like a creepy smirk emoji. emoji. And, and I got ratioed. He got more you likes did. than the original tweet. So Rightfully so. I Had mean, it coming. It's just unpro- <laughs> it's unprofessional. Don't wear that number. You're bringing attention <laughs> I, to yourself. Yeah, you know, why, might as well. But yeah, so the first game, uh, there. I don't really have a whole lot of takeaways from that game overall. Well, I, I mean, mean Jackson, Jackson yeah. Lacombe made a couple of really nice plays, but I think overall with the lineups that each team's had, it, there wasn't a lot of takeaways. I didn't really want to judge Greg Cronin either way for better or for worse off of that lineup no. or off of that game because that lineup is just not anything relevant in terms I of do, what he's going to have. I do want to give a shout to Yegor Sidorov. Mm-hmm. He, had, he had a few. That guy has some hands. Like, I don't know he's, what he's... He's I don't just know so what, happy. I don't know what he's going to be as an NHL player, but every time I watch him, I feel like he he does like some random dangle that just I'm just like, whoa, where did that come from? So I'll give him a quick shout. But the yeah. game itself was not super noteworthy. The game itself was not super noteworthy. Whereas both games against San Jose, there are some takeaways from both of those games. And so the the first one in San Jose was the Ducks actually played a pretty good game. They, I think, got 60% of the expected goal share throughout the game. And, I mean, the standout to me was Olin Zellweger and Tristan Leno were just fantastic. Zellweger played in this game, was paired with Ilya Labushkin. Uh, and then you also had Ryan Strom and Frank Vetrano in that game. Um, and I, my overall takeaways from this game were Zellweger was fantastic. He was jumping up into the play. He was creating chances. He had a two point night on the game with a, a really nice seeing eye shot that he was able to score from the point where he kind of walked the line a little bit. Uh, didn't just fire it on net right away, but found the open space and fired it and made it got through all the bodies, beat the goalie. Um, and then he got an assist on the power play goal that came later. And then Tristan Leno was just steady, really good, um, and really did well in his job. Uh, going back to Olin Zellweger, Zellweger slightly, um, if you look at kind of the matchup charts that he had, him and Labushkin were primarily paired against uh, Eklund, Sturm, and Haltunen, so probably the top line for the Sharks throughout that game. And they dominated the, the uh, expected goal share and uh, shot share throughout the game up against those guys. And so I think that was really noteworthy with how they were able to dominate there. And especially with, I mean, Labushkin, I was very hesitant about him coming in, but the, if you go back a couple of years, just really solid defensive defenseman. And he showed that throughout this game. Um, and so uh, I, this was the game that stuck out of the ducks playing a lot better, more towards what you want from Greg Cronin system of controlling play, moving the puck in the other way um, and creating chances as a result of that. Yeah, the other thing to point out from that game is just the fact that Ryan Strom is on the wing. And, yes. And Andrew Agazino is at center. Yeah. And it's kind of like, hey, if if an AHL guy is at center, I don't want to say over him, but just in place of him because that's he's he started last season at center. Kind of feels like that the Ryan Strom at center ship may have fully fully Yeah. Sold. Is it concerning at all that Vetrano and Strom were just not good? In this game, no, they were them. Those two, along with uh, Tyson Hines, were the only people underneath fifty percent expect goal share. So I didn't watch the full game, just mm-hmm. full disclosure. But no, I'm not like okay. it's it's one pre. I mean, look at the the Sharks lineup from that game was not. They were not featuring a lot of NHL guys. So yep, 
it was more of a prospect fish game fair so which maybe could bolster your argument but i yeah. just i don't really put a, t- I, a ton it, of stock they also had andrew agazino as their center who yeah, is not it, an it, nhler it's preseason at the end of the day and i think I think last year we were looking at some of the numbers and the ducks look good in preseason and everything went to <laughs> shit when the season started. So yeah, not, not to buy too much off these numbers, but I think they are still noteworthy to at least take a look at in that sense. Yeah. And then the game last night, the game, I mean, do, should we do our ad read before that game? Cause I feel like that game had a little more, a little more spice to it. A little yeah, more zest. Let's, let's go for it. So fresh ball fall is upon us. <laughs> And you need to be in the festive spirit. Light a candle, get some pumpkin spice, and make sure your balls look nice with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Nature may clear the leaves of their tree, but you'll need Manscaped's help to get you ready for that sweater weather. Get your pants puppies uh, prepared for cuffing season with a trim as refreshing as a fall breeze by going to manscaped.com and using code CTP for 20% off plus free shipping. It's time for nice flannels and cozy socks, but we can't forget to trim our balls. Uh, by now you've heard of the, uh, heard of them, but it's time to join the 9 million men worldwide using Manscaped and get the kit that covers it all, the Performance Package 4.0. It starts with a lawnmower 4.0 trimmer with advanced skin-safe technology that reduces nicks and cuts to make the uh, make raking the leaves a lot less painful. Plus, the lawnmower is a technical masterpiece. It has a 7,000 RPM motor, a multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel log, and a built-in 4,000K LED spotlight to help you see parts of your body you haven't looked at in years. <laughs> Uh, once you've cleared the driveway, the performance package comes in hot with products to cool you down. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball, Sp- Ball Spray Toner. One to prevent stink and one to clear it up. With a soothing aloe vera formula, move over pumpkin spice. Fresh balls are the smell of the season. God. The performance package 4.0 caps it off with two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. That's one to hold your Manscaped goodies and one to hold your man goodies. Uh, bring in the fall right and get 20% off and free shipping with the code CTP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code CTP. As the leaves fall, make sure you have it all with Manscaped. Man, we, we may have to we have to talk about that after. I actually used the lawnmower today for shave off a little neck scruff. So there you go. Why would you use it the works. lawnmower for that when they have a, an actual trimmer that you and I have? meant for your face which i don't have one you should have you've definitely you, had it you, sent, you had. never sent it to me wow i with, do not with, i do not holding send them. withholding products i do not send wow. any of these manscape gladly sends us these not, products to you, test them you, out and try them you, you sent you put in my order for your address i see how it is sure i have multiple sitting here anyway you for sure i've gotten one but i have yes. a crap t- i have a ton of nose trimmers that i may or may not use so should we get chase DeLeo to come on the podcast to do the next read yeah, get 69 on the podcast. Yeah. He better, like, if he has an issue with me calling him 69, then maybe don't wear the number. Just a thought. Just a thought. I mean, um, he did He did just reply with an emoji, and that was it. So, yeah. Fair. Fair. I mean, I think Chase DeLeo is an active Twitter user. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> getting back to the preseason game last night. I have a couple of, I don't want to say bones to pick. Okay. But I have a couple of... Pick pick those bones. I have a couple of observations. Okay. I I think that the, like, Leo Carlson, ever since the games have started to pick up a little bit, I feel like he's, 
he's not quite as dynamic looking as he was yeah again in the rookie face off which makes sense like the competition has increased it's not as easy but he's noticeably less like he's not making as many things happen right now and i don't want to put too much stock into it but just based off what i'm seeing he's still doing all the right things he's still supporting down low he's still involved in the play but there's some times where like he'll get the puck on a stick and he's he's cutting or he's changing lanes and it's almost like he short circuits and it's it's like happening too fast and he he go, he just like screws up his his play or whatever and again it's it's still a small sample but i just i haven't seen him adjust quite yet to the the higher speed of these preseason games yeah and i think i mean higher cuz you're also i mean you got to think about this right he played in Sweden last year against pros, which would be a faster speed than he was playing in the rookie tournament. But the adjustment to the smaller ice is an adjustment. Like I mean, it's it, it's to be expected that he's not amazing immediately, right? Like like correct. no one is expecting him to score a million goals a game right away. But I just think that in the rookie faceoff, which was on small ice, which was against North no, American players, like correct. He he was playing. He looked like exactly like the player we thought that he was capable of being. And so far, and it could be like, you know, he got a, he got a pretty bad high stick the other day and it almost got him in the eye and that took him out of the game on Sunday. So maybe he's a little shaken up. Like we don't know, but he just hasn't been quite as dynamic and there's still plenty of preseason games left, but just where we are at right now, based on what he's shown, Still adjusting, I would say, a little yeah. bit. Also, last night's game in general was a pretty poor game from the Ducks. Like, even though they won 4-2, to two, this was a game where the Ducks they got, got brutally outshot. <laughs> they got brutally outplayed, and they were completely bailed out by, first off, a fantastic Lucas Dostal performance. Yeah, he was he, the only reason they were in so that good. game. He was so, so good. And then also the San Jose goalie, Romanov. I think it was like his first game on North American ice. <laughs> and so he did not play a good game and led in a lot of soft goals. Um, and so, uh, I really just think that this was a, a tale of two goaltenders yeah. and the sharks well outplayed the ducks. I, I should also point out that with, with Leo Carlson, like he was playing with, uh, Kalorn and Nestorenko yesterday. Yeah. And I think that, so I think that Kalorn works well with Carlson when they're, you know, on the cycle, when they're set up in the offensive zone, because Kalorn is clearly more of a cycle guy than a rush guy. Yeah. But Leo likes to play in transition too, and Nikita Nesterenko can be that. But he's just such a—he's just so wild out there. Like, like I feel like sometimes he just has no plan. Like, or not, I should say no plan, but like I don't know if he's really reading the game as much as he's just like skate fast, make move. And I think with Leo Carlson, you need guys that are a little more cerebral around him that can play a little bit more with him in transition. So. It's not. I'm. I'm not trying to pin his performance entirely on him. The other guy I want to talk about. The other bone I have to pick. Is, I don't really know quite yet what to make of Olin Zellweger in these games, because he yeah. has he has these moments of brilliance, like undoubted yeah. br- brilliance, attacking. But what I've kind of come to realize watching him more carefully is that, he he only has one speed. Like he's he's. He's always on Olin Zellweger time. It's make the most aggressive play, try to win. You know, and when I use the word win, what I'm saying is try to get the home run on every at bat instead of sometimes you got to just get on base, get a single. No, we, we want dingers. Right. But the thing is, as a defenseman, if you swing and miss, 
that that miss can be very costly. And I thought that on the goal, I forget which it was in the third period, one of the, the goals the Ducks gave mm-hmm. up. We saw there so Earlier in the game, Olin Zellweger got an assist by being very aggressive in the in the offensive zone, activating from the blue line, yeah. pinching in, and creating additional passing lanes. And that's Olin Zellweger at his best. On the goal in the third period, he was trying to do the same thing, except he was too aggressive. He pinched when he didn't have to. The Sharks were able to poke the puck out of their defensive zone, go off on a two-on-one, and eventually score. And that was a microcosm, I think, of just the Olin Zellweger experience for me, which is that... He can look amazing and it's not always going to be disastrous, but he's taking a lot of gambles and he's very active out there. And I just think that this isn't a commentary on how good he is as a player, but I think it's just him figuring out the NHL right now. Like he's figuring out, okay, where do I fit in? And it sounds like that's kind of what the coaching staff is really trying to hammer home with him. Right. And I mean, that's why I think they're pairing with a Radko Gudis. I actually think, in some ways, Ilya Labushkin is a better fit for him because of that. I think Radko Gudis, I, I think Gudis has almost kind of been miscast in terms he's of so his much reputation. Fun to watch. He's so much fun to watch, and I'm a huge fan of him. I just feel like he's miscast in some ways in terms of how people view him. Like people view him as the steady Eddie, no. like defensive defenseman, well, he going is that. to like. But he he like jumps up into the play, and he yeah. will make more aggressive plays than you think he's going to make. There was one play where. I think it was in the first period where a Sharks player just flipped the puck out of the zone high and no one knew where it was except for him. And he made the read on it, gloved it down, led, let a three on two rush going the other way. Yeah. And it's like, these are not plays that a quote unquote defensive defenseman makes well, like this. Yeah. I mean, like to your, to your point. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No. And, and so I, I think that the idea that that is his like uh reputation for a lot of people, I don't think he fits the billing necessarily of the reputation he has. And so it's incomplete. Yeah, and so I think that Ilya Labushkin actually might be a bit of a better fit for Olin Zelliger as a result of that. Well, so I I don't really think it's a it's a partner problem right okay. now for for Olin Zellweger. Fair, but but to your point on on Gudis though, there was a play I think it was in the third period as well where he gets the puck in the defensive zone to break it out, and he kind of does a head fake to angle one way, and then stick handles around the forechecker like in the middle of the defensive zone. Like that is a no no. You don't do that. Love it. And he just like put on a little little hands display, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Did not know that was in your bag, Radko. But going back to Zellweger, I think that it's not a partner issue to me because he's just—I don't want to say misreading the play, but he's just choosing. Like I said, he's choosing option A all the time when it's like sometimes you gotta you gotta hit another button, right? He's kind of doing the 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 button mashing that you'll see when you're playing Super Smash Brothers. It's like, hey, that'll work against noobs, but it's not going to work if the other guy knows how to counter. And so I think that for him, he, I think he's capable of, of dialing it back, and that's going to come with coaching, which is why development is so important. And so I'm just very curious, as the preseason goes along, is he going to start making those adjustments, or is this something that he's going to have to work out maybe in the NHL or the AHL? Because if he keeps playing like this, this kind of reckless hockey, I just don't see him lasting in the NHL you know, what do you what do you more, make of the what do you make of Greg Cronin's comments last night about him? And so for those that missed it, here's here's the quote. 
Yeah. I thought Olin was our best player. He's real visible, right? He's up and down the ice. He's confident. We've asked him to really focus on defense. A lot of these those offensive guys coming out of junior, they get away with a lot of bad habits defensively. And since he arrived here, we just keep reminding him to value the defensive side of the puck. He's a shorter guy, doesn't have a length, not particularly a physically thick person. Uh, so he's got to rely on defending those attack or these attack lanes. So I think he's really focused on that, and he's extremely competitive. When guys are committed to these habits, they usually get pushed back or pucks back. Well, so I don't really think he said a whole lot there about how he actually played. He just said he was really visible, which he was. He was everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like, that's that's kind of my whole point is that he's just he's too everywhere. Like, he needs to find a way to just disappear on some shifts. And because when when he does pop up in a good way, it can change a game. So I, I just I'm very curious to see how what they do with him, you know, whether they're willing to live with those mistakes in the NHL because the reward outweighs the cost or they're like, you know what, maybe it's just better for him to kind of make those mistakes in a lower stakes environment. Like, I don't know. I don't know if there's necessarily a wrong answer. I'm going on a limb here. And I think just the way that Greg Cronin has spoke about Olin Zellweger and just essentially put praises out on him. And it's good. Both, both after this game, I mean, he played in back-to-back games. I just think to me that that is in some ways a sign that, they're testing Zellweger. They want to see what he can do, and he's passing at least what the coaching uh, staff well, is seeing. The from other him. thing, the other thing too that we got to keep in mind is that coaches make comments before they've rewatched the game. That's and, true. And when you're and they do look at tape between periods, but I think when you're when you're on that bench, it's kind of like when we're watching. Like you're in the emotion of the game. Yeah. And yes, you are still able to make your evaluations, but watching it back, I just feel like it gives maybe a little. At least for me, it gave a different impression. Well, do you think Zell? I, I guess let me put it this way: Do you think Zellweger has increased his stock in terms of making the Ducks out of camp so far? In, no, in preseason, not for me. I think he's okay. just, but I don't think he's hurt his stock. I just think he's kind of at neutral. Like, because I want to see him be an NHL defenseman. Like, I don't really like. I know what he can do offensively. I know the the dynamic play that he can bring but I want to see him be just polished out there. So I think in the first game, he more so was like that. I think the second game, yes, I agree with what you're saying. I think the one thing I will say is I think he has increased his stock with the fact of how Greg Cronin is speaking about him. Yeah, I I don't know. I, cause I mean, it you, could, it if, could if be if a lot of lip service. If you look at what he's saying, though, like he's not actually describing what happened he, outside of just he was everywhere. Well, everything, I think every, everything stating, else. Everything stating else that he was our just, best player is is a, is stating something. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Um, whether that's true or not, I I don't but know. Like they're, they're, in, a, they're in, also a, in who, a lineup with with Radko Gudis, with Alex Kalorn, with Leo Carlson, with all, all these guys in there, right? Yeah. To say Olin was their best player is something yeah. is of importance in terms of how Cronin views him. That's fair. That is a fair point, and and we we shall see because to me, and I don't want to I don't want this to become. A narrative surrounding my uh, analysis here, but I was watching Pavel Mintukov in the same game. Had a very he scored a goal and but had a much quieter game, but to me a more effective game because he's just he's just so calm back there. He's always kind of just he and he made some mistakes. Like I'm not I'm not saying he's a perfect player. He's got his own things to work on, but I think Mintukov is a little I don't want to even say further ahead, but he's just the way he plays he's a reading, quieter game. The the way he's reading the well, the thing is, I mean, we saw him in the rookie faceoff. He can be very loud. He can be yes. extremely loud. Yes. It's just that right now he's kind of, he understands the tempo a little bit better. And I think Zellweger is kind of like, well, you guys got to adjust to me 
and at a certain point that's just going to bite you. So I'm just I'm just very curious how that will develop. It's it's By, this is the fun of following a team with a lot of great prospects is being able to follow their development. By the way, Greg Cronin also had a quote on Pavlovich. Both these are from Derek Lee, good friend uh, at this Tribune and everything with us. Uh, go follow him on Twitter or X or whatever it is, at Derek underscore Lee 27, but said, uh, this is a quote from Greg Cronin. Pavel is good. I'm excited to see more of him. I think he's going to get more confident as we move on. You can see his burst offensively and he's fearless defensively, and he's obviously a bigger body, so he's going to have yeah. a little more stiffness to the way he defends, but both he and Zelliger have a bright future. Yeah, he 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 had a really nice check in open ice uh, to to deny like a clean entry last night. Mm-hmm. So I just, but this is a great thing. Like this this is to me this is the most one of my favorite parts about following hockey is seeing players develop and how they adjust. And I think we're just in for a treat this year with all these young players. It's kind of crazy. I was looking at the Ducks cap friendly page today because I was curious about, because guys were starting to put on weight being... Uh, Wait, did you call it weight. X? Lou was saying you called it X. I said Twitter or X or whatever the hell it is. Don't, don't do the or. Just just call it Twitter until you right, fine. until you can't, until it loses fine. its relevance. Fine, fine. Uh, but I was looking at the Ducks cap friendly today because I was curious about kind of guys potentially maybe going on waiver soon with now waivers being uh, open. And if you look at their non-roster players, the Ducks only have five guys that are are essentially non-roster players that are going to need waivers. Dang. Like it's kind of crazy how many and like how many waiver exempt players are on this team and in this system and going to be for the goal playing for the goals this year. Yeah. Yeah, and um not to change the subject on you, but I do want to talk about the Alex Kalorn okay. uh, situation yesterday. Yep. Do you want to talk about the what? Do you want to talk about Gudas first, or just jump into? Well, so I love the Gudas reaction. Yep. Because agreed. Because by the way, that that was the play where Zellweger turned it over, um, or I shouldn't say turned it over, but led to the two on one, and yeah, Gudas just sticking up for his goalie. I mean, just looking like a madman out there, just the yeah. hair flowing, the just screaming. At, I forget which Sharks player it was, but I know that this is like all narrative street stuff, but. You kind of love to see that that pushback and that 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 tone being set early in the season. Like that, I think, is a productive way to set a tone. It's because well, no one, no one, it's it's not malicious. No one's getting hurt. It's just yes. Hey, like we're sticking up for each other. Yeah, and the camaraderie behind it and everything like that. Yeah, like, um, like guys, I mean, Zell- guys, Zellweger, guys I think, was the first. I think Zellweger was actually the first person in on the guy that ran uh, Dosal. Dos- yeah, so I I think that that's that's awesome. What is less awesome is Alex Kalorn just boarding a guy for no reason. Like yep. that that was just I mean, I thought it, it should have maybe warranted more in terms of punishment, but it just a clear cut boarding penalty got him got him from behind. The onus is on the player making yeah. a hit to not like it's in the rule. And yes, there there is some language about avoidability, but don't hit the guy when he's facing the other way, when he's facing towards the boards. Yeah, and it, he didn't turn that much last second. Sure, he turned a little bit, but it's not as if he was like. But that doesn't negate the, the hit. Yeah, uh, it does in some ways. In terms of there is some verbiage within the the rule of turning late uh, yeah. and putting yourself into that position does impact you. Um, but he barely turned, and I think my bigger issue with the hit is the fact that it was a delayed penalty was about to be a touch up, 
And it's very similar to like if there's an icing call and way back when, when it was touch icing and guys would get hit after that. And it was like completely pointless, unnecessary, delayed offside. Like there's actually like a within boarding, the boarding penalty, it lists delayed offside and icing yeah. within there. And this is very similar to that of the play was a, was blown dead or about to be blown dead and Kalorn boarded him. And it and just, I think Zadina had to leave the game because of yeah, it. Yeah, and was injured, and it's just not a good hit. And it, the Ducks were about to go on a power play, and if you want to, like, try to set a message, just take the power play at the end of the game, kill the game off. Yeah, yeah, like, I, I did not like that. Yeah, wasn't a fan of the hit. Like, Unnecessary. I'm all, I'm all for, like, like we were just saying, I'm all for the, the physicality and the kind of pushback, but when you're potentially hurting a guy, like, that's just... That's just needless. So Yeah. I mean, I just view it this way of if you have like an are viewing it from an eye for an eye perspective, that's exactly what got Troy Terry uh Troy Terry punched by Jay Beagle because it was about Trevor Zegris poking the goalie, right? Yeah. Like it's and that same mentality, and that mentality I just completely disagree with. It's also a freaking preseason game. Like why that too. why are we boarding people in the preseason? Like it's just it's just odd to me. Yep. So anyway. Just want to touch on that. Everyone loves a good, uh, was it a good hit or bad hit debate? That's always, yep. that's always fun. Uh, yeah. Anything else? I don't think, I don't think, is there anything else to talk about from last week? Oh, I want to, I want to bring this up. So I, I actually forgot that Max Contois got a PTO with the, with the Golden Knights. Mm-hmm. And have you seen that he's wearing number 88? No. <laughs> And like I maybe it's because he was 44 and that's like 44 times two or something, but just a what a what a funny like number for him to wear because you know 88 is usually like a lot of star players have worn that number just to see it on Max Contois just just kind of cracks me up. So what about a, him, thought I'd give him a little shout out. What about the Simon Benoit comments? Oh yeah, it's like all the all the <laughs> B, ghosts. B Doddles brought that up. All the all the ghosts of Ducks' mediocre past or awful past are are coming home to roost. Um, yeah, so, so I think he just said what that the the Ducks made a mistake in letting him go or something like yeah. that. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you expect a player to say something like that, right? Like he's he's kind of talking himself up. He's trying to prove to that the Ducks made a mistake. Like I don't I don't have anything really against that. So. I do think I, I disagree with him because I think he was really bad last year and it kind of sucks. Cause I feel like he's trying to turn himself into this like all out physicality defenseman. And at least when I first watched Simon Benoit, I thought what made him effective was just being a smart uh, puck mover and just a good skater, like a, a solid enough skater. And now he's kind of trying to become the hip check guy. And it's like, maybe just go back to what got you here instead of doing that. I don't know. Just yeah. something to think about. But I hope I mean, hey, I hope he I hope he thrives in Toronto. I hope he makes the team and and things go well for him, but we'll see. What what do you think of uh Ducks PTO uh player Zach Cassian last night? I mean, he's on the power play. He's so he's, bad. He's playing he's, with Adam Henrique and Brock he's, McGinn. He's so bad. Adam Henrique, by the way, playing at center for the first time in like years. Was he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Also, Someone put in our chat that there's an angle that makes the Kalorn hit look less it, bad. It, it's it the looks, same. It, it's the it same just angle. As, it looks just as bad. Like he's hitting him from behind. I don't get it. He anyway. sees the numbers, goes through the numbers. 
yeah. head hits the boards. Just not a great hit. But yeah, and um, also like you can tell he's letting up. Like you can tell that like the play is about to end. Yeah. So anyway, uh, don't want to talk about that anymore. But um, you were saying, I forget what uh, you're talking about. Yeah, Zach Cassian's really bad. The the theory I mean, I've he, come up he, with. Now, he just doesn't do anything out there. The theory far. I've come up with is that. This is an overreaction by Pat Verbeek to what happened last preseason when Trevor Zegras got I mean, run is over. It, is it an overreaction? Didn't weren't you the one to say that PTOs don't matter? I mean, they don't matter, but I so think the they fact don't of matter, they have they have, them for, they have them for they have them for preseason game. Okay, it's not an overreaction; it's a reaction to that happening to have them yeah. in a preseason game. I I I mean, that's plausible. It could also be plausible that Zach Cassian is is a on five percenter. Five percent. Yeah, you put it at five percent, which I feel like is higher than you would have had it like five percent. I don't see a roster spot for him. The Ducks have twelve I, forwards right now. I don't either, without Trevor Zegers. I don't either, but I watch Brett Leeson play, and I think, man, I just don't. I don't know if I see it with him. And I could, and at least with Cassian, you <laughs> he can, has like three goals in the preseason so far. Okay. <laughs> Are you really gonna make me say say things that I've told you <laughs> in the interim? Let's just say I'm not putting a lot of stock into some of those goals. Like I mean, I'm just, I'm just not. Pat Verbeek's gonna look at those numbers, keep them up. Uh, so with with Zach Cassian though, at least you can say, hey, he's an NHL veteran, toughness, blah blah, whatever. I don't agree with any of it, but that's the argument. Like with Brett Leeson, I'm just kind of like, okay, you know, he's a depth guy, I guess that can maybe be okay, but I'm I'm not moved by his preseason production thus far. All right. Want to get to uh, questions? Is it that time? Sure. All sure. right. So we're going to start with our Discord. Go to patreon.com slash crash spawn. At the $1 tier, you get access to your Discord. With that, you get uh, uh, the questions. Will be Your questions within the podcast questions channel will get read first. So Shake Wing said, Felix did a great job in the videos. By the way, shout out to you for those videos. Go check oh, yeah, them out thanks. at pond. Uh, YouTube. YouTube.com slash crash spawned. Uh, and he said, what should the segment be called? And <laughs> people replied, uh plant wrench said crash the film room derek said felix's film appa said story time with felix jack jane <laughs> said only film and shorten it to of no so there no. we go that that's uh, from the 69 uh, school of humor no that ain't happening all right connor said each of you talk about lubomir vishnovsky and say something nice uh well are wait are we answering the first question or is this are we oh what should it be called sure go for it i don't think that it needs a name Okay. That's my own personal opinion. I mean, I would like a name to make a playlist, so. Well, you can just call it, like, player breakdowns. Film, or film room. Yeah. I don't I okay. don't like the film room thing. Only Felix? It's not even a, It's not even on film. Co- like, Connor in our Twitch chat saying only Felix. No, I'm calling it just player name plus game plus breakdown. Well, I need a, pl- like, I need a playlist name. Just call it player breakdowns. And, and, and tier it. Du- Ducks game day breakdowns? Wow. <laughs> but hey, maybe Noble Aleworks will give us a, a sponsorship if we do that. All right. <laughs> moving, moving on. <laughs> Each of you talk about Lubomir Vishnovsky and say something nice. Uh, underrated duck historically. Yeah, 100% underrated. This came just from looking at years past. He should have won the Norris that year. Like That was before we really had a lot of advanced metrics in the way that we do. And... His 2010-2011 season is absolute was absolutely insane. Yeah, like him and uh, Tony Ludman. Like Tony Ludman, 
was Tony like Ludman top- might actually be underrated. Oh, one like at, yes, that pairing of Vishnovsky Ludman was probably the best pairing in the league that year. Yeah, and it like, was wasted, unfortunately. Wasted on with Randy Carlisle as the head coach. Shocker. Yeah. Um, all right, Dorian said uh, more so for Felix. Would you rather have Slavkovsky or Cooley? Why? Why? Really? <laughs> are we are we doing this to it to an eighteen year old who got injured? Off and like, look. I think Logan Cooley is great, and I will give full transparency. People love transparency, so I'll be transparent. I will expose myself. Pause. But Logan Cooley <laughs> is great. He's who I would have picked number one. I think I even said that on the podcast that year. But guys, it's one it's one goal in one preseason game. Thirty two thoughts was talking about it and talking about stuff. I'm like, can we pump the brakes just for like? Just for a second here, like Yuri Sapkowski got hurt. He was basically they made him a fourth liner last year. Like, let's give him a chance before we declare this race over. Like, come on. So, I don't know if that even answers the question, but I would have drafted Logan Cooley over Sapkowski, but I still think Sapkowski can be great because I believe in the Habs development system. There you go. There it is. Uh, SP84 said, "Crone Zone. Are you a believer in Greg Crone? Have you entered?" The Crone Zone. Are you on the highway to the Crone Zone? I I like what I'm hearing. I, I think what I like about Greg Cronin is that whenever he talks in interviews, he's always citing like very specific things about the game. Like it's not very it's not very fluffy. It, it's always rooted in like some principle or some concept within the the strategy of the game, which I like. Yep. All right, uh, Brad said, question for the pod. Through training camp and the first three preseason, preseason games, who has been your biggest disappointment? Who has been your most pleasant surprise? Ooh, you, why don't you take this one first? Oh, man. Biggest disappointment. Um, I think Alex Kalorn look, didn't look great last night. It's early, he, but... Yeah, he's also I, I, not he, He's not a guy who looks great in general when he's moving no, out there. No, but... <laughs> he's a bit I'll of a go, lumbering player. Yeah, so I'll go with him. Pleasant surprise. Um, I think Pavel Regenda's look good in the games he's played. I mean, not so much a surprise, or but a pleasant is uh, Lucas Shostal and how well he played yesterday. Wait, hold on, hold on what? a second. Have we changed? Has the has the spelling of Zach Cassian's last name been changed? No, it's the fact that the Ducks, like in arena, like spelling had it with a C. Oh, I was which looking then at... screwed up natural statric, which also listed it as a C because the ducks. I think maybe the ducks on the score sheet did that. Okay, okay, that makes it make more sense. It, it was a ducks issue because are you looking at like natural statric or something yes. and seeing it? And I'm just like, why is there a C? Like, what did did he? Anyway, is this like Simeon Varlamov changing the spelling of Simeon? No, before no, the, okay. The back of I looked today because I was curious. The back of his jersey said uh, had it with a K. So my biggest surprise thus far, I mean, I think for me personally, I've just really jumped on the Pavel Matukov train, just watching him play. And so, cause I, I wasn't, I just wasn't sure what to expect. I wasn't that familiar with his game and then biggest disappointment. Hmm. I mean, it's just three games and like, we didn't even really see most of the team in the first game. So this feels like a bit unfair to answer. So yep. don't put too, don't put too much stock into this answer. But I would say probably Nathan Gaucher. Fair point. Just, just because even in the rookie faceoff, like this goes back to the rookie faceoff. I just, 
I don't know. Like I was expecting a little bit more, a little bit more polish defensively, maybe just a little more activity on offense. And like last night, I thought he had an okay game, but he's just, I don't know. He hasn't really blown me away for a guy who, you know, is going to play pro hockey this year and has a lot of junior experience. I was just a little, I'm a little surprised, but it's early. There's plenty of time. So don't, you know, don't write him off or whatever. Literate gal said question. What is patience and why don't we have it? I mean, look, there's two sides to this coin, as there are to every coin, I think, unless there's a three-sided coin out there that I'm not aware of. But on one hand, I get it. Fans, this is frustrating. You you want the contracts to be signed. You want to move on. On the other hand, it's like this happens. This has happened elsewhere. This will happen again. Yep. This is This is the system. You know, like you got to balance your desire to want it to be over and kind of just patience, like Bonnie said. So I'm uplifting Bonnie's take there. Patience. Yep. Yep. I think by the end of the season, we're going to forget necessarily about them holding out. (laughs) I thought you were going to say by the end of the season, they're going to be signed, which would have been a a fun take. (laughs) Nope. Wasn't. But yes, bold take. By the end of the season, they will be signed. Uh, Which in which league? (laughs) Wow. No, no. D-Rock said, uh, which defenseman finishes the season with the most points? Uh, oh, Ooh. of any? At the, uh, on the docks, I would assume. Um, Let's see. Who's going to get first power play minutes? That's, that's already a great question of itself. Probably Fowler, which I guess probably leads me to saying Cam Fowler. Yeah, I think Fowler is a safe play, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give a vote to Jamie Drysdale. I'd say, oh, let's go let's go with the fun pick and say Zellweger's on the team all year and leads them in points by okay. the beat. I'll, I'll go. My fun pick is gonna be Jamie Drysdale. Okay. Yeah. Isaac said after the first three preseason games, who do you see making the team out excluding top winger Zach Cassian, of course. So <laughs> I'm gonna make an adjustment to this because I don't want to have I don't think running through the entire lineup currently makes sense, seeing as we haven't seen everyone. But I'll name a couple names for you. Uh, Leo Carlson. Wait, what are you asking me? Will they make the? Will this person make the team? Leo I think Carlson. They, I think they will give him NHL games, regardless Kim? of how he looks. Kim. Uh, Sam Carrick. Yeah. Duh. Brett Leeson. Why are we slandering Sam Carrick, man? Brett what Leeson. Are, I'm gonna go no. I think he's waived. Erho Vakaninen. Hey, he looked okay yesterday, but I just, I'm not sold yet. So I'm going to go no. So he gets waived. Jackson Lacombe. Yes. Uh, Robert Hag. Yes. Colton White. Uh, sure. I say no. I think he gets waived. Or, or no. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> you, I don't, why, are we doing the entire roster? No, I'm just picking guys that I think are on the bubble. Basically. Oh, okay. 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 Zellweger. No. Okay, I think that he does Definitive make Definitive no. Hellison. Probably no. Hellison, I think no. Uh, Alex Stalock. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with no. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with no there. Uh, I think that's really it from guys that I kind of view. Oh, like Pavel Regenda. I just and feel Nikita, like he... And Nikita Nestorenko. I think I think they're both goals, honestly. Okay. Like the thing the thing with Regenda is I just feel like he has to 
he has to do more. Like, like it, he's he's a good player that can fit into a system, but there's just guys ahead of him, and I just feel like he has to do more. Like, and I'm not saying that those guys ahead of him are better, but they're just signed to bigger NHL contracts. So Chase DeLeo? No, no, not with that number. And uh, oh, Lou, but 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 Nestorenko, I think, needs time in the AHL. Agreed. He, he's too Lou, wild out there. Lou said, thoughts on Chase DeLeo's nice number? It's just, it's irresponsible. I'll move on. Jaeger Sidorov, Stan account. Is it time the Ducks uh, for the Ducks to change their goal song because Brohim is starting to become tiresome? Hey, I had a podcast last year where I discussed this. Change it to I Want to Dance with Someone. Give me it. I, I'm fine with Brohim. I'm fine with Brohim, though. Yeah. Uh, Crazy for Carlson said, I'll piggyback off that question. Uh, do the Ducks need to improve their in arena entertainment, such as the audio system and the in house DJ and entertainer okay. like Sammy? So I'm going to I'm gonna go with no comment from me. Wow. You're going that route. Yeah. Uh, I'll go yes. Yes. Improve it. Please improve it. Okay. Yegor uh, Sidorov, Stan account said, Does Corey Perry get booed for siding with the enemy? And yes, I still believe the draft lottery was rigged. No. It's Corey Perry. He'll never get booed. Oh, by the way, I was going to say that they should improve, but then again, for the Ducks in arena, but then we, we saw the the Sharks in arena feed the other day, and it seems like every arena, they're only it's tacking, the same. Let's just point cameras at people. Like yeah. th- th- That's basically the, the entire strategy, is let's just point cameras at people, because people probably like seeing themselves up on the screen, right? Like It makes sense, so... I don't see teams deviating from that. And I think it kind of works. Like people yeah. seem to be enjoying it. People were yeah. going crazy after some of those ducks goals yes- yesterday. Yeah. Twitch like, and YouTube, by the way, I see all your questions. We will get through all of discord. Then we'll go to you guys. Yeah. So, uh, Jack Jane said, I'll ask the same question. I asked the folks at lap. What's your hottest ducks take for the upcoming season. Mine is, I think Nestoranko earned some minutes on the second line. Wow. That is a hot take. Actually That's a hot take from Jack. Yeah, my hot take, Um, I don't know. My hot take is Trevor Zegers leads the team in points even after sitting out games. Okay, I have a hot take. I guess, is that that hot? I feel like that's really not that hot. Um, It's hot-ish. Okay. It's, it's hot. I mean, there's other guys that could potentially... I have, yeah. a, I, have a, I have a hot take, and I have not shared this before because I just thought about it right now, and I may be just saying it to say it. Okay, that's part Lucas, of the fun. Lucas Dostal... Starts more Ooh. games than John Gibson. Yeah, let's go there. Let's and and not because of injury, not because of injury. Ooh, I like that one. Let's go. It's 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 his time. He's wearing that number one jersey for a reason. Duck said, "Was the Hodgson hit on Stone late? I don't know if you saw this hit, but I did. Uh, I didn't think it was late. I think Stone was reaching and tapped the puck unnecessary, maybe in a preseason game. Um, but a guy trying to make his name out there, hitting a guy that is." Uh, a cup winning captain for the Vegas Golden Knights and one of the stars of that team. So unnecessary hit clean though. And not late in my opinion. I'll pull um, it up. Just uh, yeah. Google Mark stone hit. And so Sto- stone's kind of reaching for it a little bit. And the puck's like on his stick when he gets hit, I think oh, it's right next to it. He got rocked. Yeah. I think it's a clean hit though. I mean, it, it looks like it was just at the last possible second before it becomes dirty. Yeah. Yep. I mean, he didn't have the puck. I will say that he did not. It's like the puck. At, at his stick. Uh, yeah, fair. It's away from his stick. Yeah, I mean, he's also like, was that a charging penalty? 
That actually is a good point. I didn't even think about that, but potentially. I mean, he's coming in hot, yeah. like multiple strides length. So anyway. Fair. Yeah. Uh, hey, Odifla said, why do you think Gudis has historically elevated the overall play of his linemates? What aspects of his games do you think are, his, are strengths that support this? I mean, it's like what we're talking about. He just kind of does everything well. Like, he's just solid in all facets, and he's not necessarily going to be great at certain things, but it just seems like he's very solid in, in every facet. And he just, and I feel like, especially like if you're an Olin Zellweger, knowing that you have Radko Gudis back there to maybe cover up some mistakes just allows you to play more freely. So I could, yep. I could see that being the, the case. Ferdiduck said, uh, <laughs> Ottawa's. What? Sorry, I'm just looking at Connor's uh, oh, comment okay. in our chat about yeah. how it was a clean. It, it was, I wouldn't call it clean. Borderline, and I think I, I understand why Mark Stone would be frustrated if someone that's not going to be an NHLer throwing. I mean, it's the him. classic like minor leaguer bad hit in preseason on an established NHLer hit. Yep. Yeah. And and by the way, like sorry, I'm taking this on a tangent, but okay, go for you it. Know how, you know how Elliot Freeman was saying on the Thirty Two Thoughts the other day, he was talking about that that hit in the the Leafs development camp scrimmage. Yep. The the he was saying he was I, like well, yeah. He's like, well, I don't blame guys because they're just trying to make a name for themselves. I'm like, I do blame guys. You don't have to hit. Like, yep. It's very rare that a hit like that is actually needed to make the play that you want to make. Yep. And I get, and I get that it's trying to make an impression. But man, like, especially in the preseason, especially in these games where no points are on the line, just it's like unnecessary. Just have a little respect for your common man. Like, don't try to kill someone for crying out loud. It's just it's just a bad look to, to try that hit. Yeah. Yep. So um so Ferdinand said Ottawa still hasn't signed Shane Pinto and only has eight ninety five K in cap space. Are there any duck sense trades that make sense in this situation? I'd prefer a trade for Shane Pinto, but alternatively I could see a trade that helps to send clear space while also helping the ducks. I feel like he's been on this this Shane Pinto thread. This isn't this is an old message that he said this is oh. still my question. And <laughs> pointed to it and replied to it so I oh, could crap. ask it. Well, I haven't been in Discord, so I haven't had time to prepare. Well, so I'll, this I'll, was one before you, before you even I'll, had, I'll, I'll, bef- I'll hot potato. I'm hot potatoing to you. I'll take it. Uh, I mean, maybe the Ducks could look at sending some of their young. I mean, they have so many defense, defensive prospects, and they don't mm-hmm. really have a whole lot of center or wing prospects. And so Shane Pinto, how old is Shane Pinto now? Uh, he is. I feel like I know nothing, honestly, about He's Shane 22. He's, he's young. Like, if they want to do that and maybe you're able to sh- send them a Tristan Leno for him and it's built around that, like maybe, maybe. you do that. Is Tristan Leno's stock really that high though? I mean, Shane Pinto only, I wouldn't do that. Never mind. He put up 20 goals last year, yeah. but he only had 35 points. I mean, he scored 20 goals as a 21 year old in the NHL. Fair. Like, that's, that's good. Fair. That is good I don't stuff. know if it's necessarily worth giving up a lot for that right now. No. So never mind, scratch that. I thought he had scored more overall. But last yeah, year. like maybe a Noah Warren. I don't yeah. know. Like 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 this is kind of where you have to maybe think about leveraging some of these the, maybes for sure yes. things. Yes. So I think no. I think yeah, Noah Warren in a second. I mean that might get it done. But you know that I'm confused a little bit about where the Sens are headed. They have a new owner. They're kind of built to win now, but they're still in the future a little bit. It's hard to tell. They, yeah. they just gave freaking Jake Sanderson the bag. So I don't know. Yeah. Not, I'm trying to look sure. up just to see how Shane Pinto was last year in like some more honest metrics. Uh, Are you talking yeah. yourself into it? 
I mean, he's a I good am. player from what yeah. I know. I Like I said, I just don't know anything about the player. So I think that's my You issue. know what? Good on you. I feel like more people should embrace when they don't know something. Yeah. Like, so, don't, don't fake it. Like, the narrative is, like, he's good, but I'm like, I don't know that necessarily. So, want to look into it a little bit. But, well, sure. His, I, his, his tracking data is kind of interesting because he's very – he grades out well in the defensive zone, but he's not really, like, a zone entry guy. Which, which is what the Rapham numbers show also is that he's yeah. good defensively, but yeah. offensively doesn't generate that much. But he's got a lot of, like, good passing numbers, which I like. Hmm. Like, this is why I like the tracking data, even though it's kind of – it's imperfect, but I like yeah. seeing – we just don't have a way of measuring passing skill elsewhere yeah. outside of assists. And so, it, it I mean, that could show that that low assist number is not representative of his playmaking. So, yep. Uh, anyway. Justin Beck said, the, This question may not have a clear answer and it's long apologies, but would like for you guys to discuss what do you think the conversations are like between an agent and GM? So, let's say Bersana Verbeek, and why does it take so long? Does the GM call the agent? Uh, say this is what we're interested in offering. The agent says what they want, and they just enter a stalemate. We hear rumblings. They are in discussions, but what's being said, and why can't they sit on the phone for however long it takes to get something done? I get that it's a business, and they're talking about people's lives and monies. just seems like it could get done sooner. I mean, I think we're overestimating how much they actually talk. Yeah. It seems like there's a lot of quiet time because that's kind of you're playing chicken in a way. Like mm-hmm. you're you're waiting to see who's gonna flinch first. Yep. So I don't think that they that they talk. I don't think they talk every day. I mean, they might. I don't know. <laughs> That's kind of the whole thing. I don't know. So I'm not. I just think it's like, hey, we're at this number. Uh, okay, we're at this number. Okay, well, what do you think about this? If we change this other thing, would you come to this number? Could would you come down to there? Like that's just. It's and, not that it's not that exciting, honestly. And probably it's, once they eventually get to the point where they agree on an overall AAV, then they probably sit down and get into the details because they at least have an agreement on average annual value and term, and then it's figuring out the precise precise details within that of signing bonuses, all that different type of stuff that comes along with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, creeping sandwiches of fascism said, "What's the happy ending you'd like to see for Dallas Aikens for his hockey?" career what do you think he'd be good at well motivational speaker i could see him being like a player development like consultant or something something like that where he's kind of talking to players about mental attitude approach things like that win the day yeah have you noticed the ducks don't have a slogan for their training camp win the day it's not a (laughs) it's not on a t-shirt i'll tell you that much yeah. Uh, Ducks I, I are not. I, I, I mean, I, this is not a dig. This is just a comparison. But I think that it's telling that the Ducks training camps in years past under the previous coach were marked by t shirt slogans. And this year they have the diagrams on the ice showing, hey, the slot is important, like building drills around defending the slot. That is the, that is the most drawing and kind of graphic design they've done. And I just feel like that's a good illustration of the priorities of both staffs. You don't think Greg Cronin's drawn a surfboard on the whiteboard yet? <laughs> he might have as a joke. Du- yeah. Ducks Juggernaut says, uh, is Drysdale or Zegris more likely to be signed before the regular season starts? Odds that both are. Wait, what? Sorry. Is uh, Drysdale or Zegris more likely to be signed before the regular season starts? So which one? I think Drysdale. I think Drysdale um and then odds that both are 
Give me a percentage. Well, I would say like 15%. Yeah, I was going to say 15. I'll go 15. Okay. All right. So now we're going to come to Twitch and YouTube. So please, if you have a question, please throw it in the chat. Add question at the front. I've seen them earlier, but please repost them so that I can find them. But if you're listening to this podcast on your favorite podcast services, you can find us at twitch.tv slash crash upon where uh, as the season goes on, I know it's a Thursday this week. We will be going live typically on Mondays at 8 p.m. And you can find us there. If you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month. And it helps out more than you can imagine. You can be just like uh, we had a bunch actually happening uh, within this past week. Heart and uh, Soul Strong subscribed with Prime. MM1K1 subscribed with Prime. Our good friend Lou subscribed for six, uh, his 60th month. So wow. thank you so much. Uh, Ducks Dragonaut subscribed for 12 months. Uh, Shoegaze uh, Dragon Georgie subscribed for 55 months. So thank you to all of you. Um, and then you can also find us at youtube.com slash Crash Pond where you can find our fun videos. Uh, Felix has been putting up uh, fun uh, videos breaking down different players. We now have YouTube shorts of the podcast up there. TikTok, there's also that now and Instagram Reels. We're throwing out things up everywhere, so find us at all those different places, but YouTube for the live stream of the show uh, where you can get your questions in. So, B-Dolls had a question saying, question, I know Pat Verbeek doesn't like taking shots on waiver guys, but Ty Smith is on waivers. Would you claim better than Vakaninen and White, he thinks? So, I don't think so. There's just too many There's too many D-men in there right now. Yep. Also, like, Ty Smith got waived. <laughs> Like, maybe that's a commentary about where he's at right now. I don't know. Yep, agreed. Uh, Ducks said in our YouTube chat, do the Ducks need to acquire a pure goal scorer in the near future to complete our future top six? Uh, do they need to acquire? I mean, is Alex Kalorn that? I mean, kind of. I think yes. he is supposed to be the scorer. Yeah. But, I mean, at some point you do need guys who can, you know, put the puck in the net but I think that they can become a team that scores a lot of goals just by committee. Like I, there's only so many pure goal scorers in the NHL. that are also great all around players. And those guys tend to be superstars. Otherwise you have to build an actual system that produces offense. And I think that that's, that's the model that the ducks should and are following. Yeah. Ducks also had a question, which if any 2023 ducks draft pick other than Leo, uh, which draft pick makes the biggest jump? in their development and production in their junior leagues. The 20 of the 2023 class? Yes. Outside Ooh. of Carlson. Dang. I think Petrie. Interesting. There's a lot or of guys. Dionicio. Or Dionicio, however you pronounce it. There's a lot I mean there's a lot of guys you can choose from. I mean, one guy I really enjoyed watching was Nico Majadovic. So, okay. I'm going to go with him, but Okay. I feel like any of those guys, Petrie, Terrence, Terrence, yeah, like I think they're they're all in for for big years. Yep, yep. Uh, let's see. We got this question from Twinkie Boy said, "At what point this upcoming season do we start hearing rumblings of who our future captain might end up being?" I don't think there's gonna be any rumblings. Like I think no. if they were gonna name a captain, it would have been, it would have happened. Yeah, I mean they said they're not gonna do it, so let's not waste our own time here. Yep and let's see i think that's gonna do it if there's any more questions uh please throw them in the chat but i'm not seeing any more kind of popping up uh in the newer newer area so uh oh we just got one from ducks dragon saying what's going on with Braden tracy and jake pro are they still relevant in the discussion of development that is a great question and i i want to dig more into 
you know how Jacob Pro played the other day because I didn't really get a chance to to look at it that closely. But they're still in there, right? Like they're mm-hmm. in there until they're not. And you know you don't want to give up on guys until they've shown that there's no reason to believe in them anymore. And like I think that they both still have things that they can bring. So let's let's give them a chance here. But yeah, I think yeah. they're they're still in the picture. The thing is, is that their threshold is a lot lower now because they just have to play well in San Diego and they're up. Like the other guys that, that could potentially jump them, they're still years away from making the NHL, right? I mean, mm-hmm. or, or they're just now joining the, the AHL. Like the, these guys have a lower, a lower barrier of entry, I would say. Yep. And we actually have a couple questions come in as uh, we were answering that one. So Michael B said, thoughts on Cooney and Edom so far better than Zilch and Wood? Yes. I mean, is it even close? No. I think Edom has some growing pains, but I think he's providing good insights, a new voice, a fresh voice that can really relay information in a way that Dan Wood could not. So I I think it's been better. And I think uh, the other guy, the... the, Cooney? Cooney is just, he's just a solid. And I think that what I like about Cooney, and this is no shot at, at Andy Zilch, but Andy Zilch is a very, like, polished commentator. But sometimes he's, I think what makes a good play-by-play guy is being able to inject a little emotion, right? Like, mm-hmm. th- it's, a, it's a fine line, but some of the yep. best play-by-play guys of all time, or at least that people think are the best, are really good at that. Like, you think of Doc Emmerich, right? And I think that Cooney does a better job of kind of bringing a little emotion into the game. And I think Emerson Edom does that as well. Like you can tell that Emerson Edom is just having fun doing yeah, he's, this. He's just having a good time. He's enjoying life. Yeah. And I think that he also understands the game. He's a more recent player. Right. Yeah. And so and he's a coach. Yeah. Like he's, I think he's much more involved in the actual sport. And so he has better commentary. He's just learning. He's just learning his own how to come, game. how to convey that on a street, on a, on a play-by-player color commentating uh, basis, but you hear him talk about high-low plays, talk about little things getting off the board, and yeah. those little insights that you don't, you didn't get, quite frankly, yeah. from the Ducks broadcast in the past however many years. And so those types of insights, I think, are exactly what you're looking for. Where are those two the future on the TV broadcast? I mean, my whole thing with broadcast is you either need to be entertaining or you need to teach me something. Yeah, and I think that Edom does a nice job of blending those two. Yeah, I may listen to more radio broadcasts Same. this year. Like, Same. I might put it over the, the, the TV. We should probably mention that the Ducks announced their TV schedule today. Yeah. I mean, you were saying that that wouldn't happen. So. I did not I did not say that wouldn't happen. I just said it's interesting, and I'm curious if Bally is trying to get out of the contract. Yeah. I mean, my, it's the final year of their deal. Michael in our chat saying the difference between Edom and Dan Wood is, is astounding, and it's like... Yes. I was not I, a Dan Wood fan. I would listen to the radio broadcast and like they would like put me to sleep last year. It was just so and like again, it's nothing against those guys personally. It's just it was just so like you know, like old school generic nineties kinda like just that I don't know what to call it, the old boys club style of commentary, right? And it's like I think that well, Steve, just, Steve Carroll, I think, is still going to be doing radio calls. Yeah, but but you just need more energy in there. You need yeah. more passion. You need more intellect. And yeah, it's just yep. it's just right. not the best. Let's blitz through these last couple questions and get on out of here. Uh, Sam Ducks 47 says, does Max Jones have a spot in our future? Uh, 
sure. Maybe as a fourth liner. And I does mean, he, he? He's going to have competition at some point. Duck says, "Does Max Jones crack thirty-five points this year?" No. I go no. And then Austin said, uh, "Question: Which active or former Ducks player does Tristan Lano's game most resemble? Comparing from playstyle only, not skill slash base uh, potential based." Was it you that said Sammy Votnin? No, I or- think Zellweger's Sammy Votnin. Oh, I think Zellweger's a different beast, but okay. He kind of reminds me of Leno. Kind of reminds me of Sammy Votnin a little bit. Okay, fair enough. I I don't have a good answer for this one. Um, and then M Young in our Twitch chat said, "Who has the brightest future of these three for us? Zellweger, Minchukov, or Lacombe?" I, I mean, think Minchukov. I, I think if Zellweger hits, he does. But I'm just not sure if he will. And I'm just and I'm not saying not sure. Like I don't think. I just legitimately don't know. So I think your your pick is the safest pick. Fair. I just I think Minchukov has a really high ceiling. He does, and I think he's showing an ability to have a, a nice floor too. All right, I think that's going to do it for us because I thought we were only going to do an hour, and we're almost at an hour and a half. I mean, I got nowhere to be right now. so oh, My I, bed, my bed's the place I want to be. So I, I haven't slept in two days, basically, so I'm like, yeah, what's another 30 minutes? Whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's how it should work. I, you know, you're, when, you're, when you're this far down into the hole, it's like, well, what's the point of climbing out anymore? Yeah. I'll just stay down here for a little longer. <laughs> I, I don't think that's how it works. In the it's best not. Way. But when your brain is just like sleep deprived and addled by stress, like this is what happens. Fair so, enough. Yeah. Teach their own. I mean, no, this is not good. Don't don't let me become this. <laughs> okay. Last Let, let's get I, out of here so you can go to bed then. Last night I was I was on the phone with my my partner for my for our our, our brief and I was just like we were just talking and I was just like I don't actually feel like I'm I'm not even putting sentences together anymore. I'm just like existing. And that's texted, what's happening right now. You you texted me at 3 a.m. saying about to go to bed. Uh, no, it, and, it, it was 3:30. Oh, give, yeah, give, give, give me my 30 minute credit. I saw I saw that when I woke up at 4 a.m. to go to the bathroom, as I had been asleep since like 10:30 <laughs> or 11. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh no, I've been asleep for so long. And I texted you at 3:36 a.m. Just. I don't know why I told you that. By the way, I, like, I don't. I don't either. I, te- I texted you. This that. shows. This shows people our relationship. I texted you that, and I texted uh, my girlfriend that. So I don't. I guess, I guess that's where I don't, I'm at. I, I don't know. I think I was just so loopy. Um, <laughs> anyway, probably should. I'm. I'm definitely not helping my case here with whatever, whatever is happening. Anyway, thank you for listening, everyone. <laughs> We're gonna wrap this thing up before we just completely lose our minds. If you want to help support the show, check out our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com slash crash the pond. The link is on both of our Twitters. So you can just go there and click on it and join. For $1 a month, you get access to our uh, patrons-only Discord server. Great place, great place to connect with other diehard Ducks fans. And then for $5 a month, you get two bonus podcasts on top of the Discord community. And with those podcasts, you get us kind of going a little bit more uh, off script, a little bit more unfiltered, but also if you want to hear us talk more in depth about the Ducks, but also maybe hear us talk about other NHL teams, about the rest of the league, we are going to be recording a mammoth NHL season preview episode tomorrow night. So by two the parter, yeah, two parter, and it's going to be released. I don't know how we'll release it. Probably we'll release it Friday and Saturday. 
yeah, we'll release it Friday and Saturday, but you'll be able to just space it out, you know, listen to it at your leisure, but we're going to go over all the teams. So it should be a lot of fun. That's over at patreon.com slash crash the pond. You can also leave us a review on Apple podcasts. We greatly appreciate that. You can follow us and subscribe on Spotify. You can leave us feedback there. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, I think tonight our live viewing numbers are, you know, are being bolstered by some, maybe some new faces watching from YouTube seeing, I think we were about like over half of people that were listening, watching live were from YouTube. So that's kind of cool. Which is new for us. Twitch was always our, our steadfast and now it, it's Yeah. Moving. So youtube.com slash crash the pond, subscribe there. You know, you've got the podcast that you can watch, um, that you can listen to at your own leisure. You've got the shorts. So if you just want bite-sized little clips of us, you know, our, our biggest points in the pod or some funny moments, and then we've got the the video breakdowns that I've been doing. So check that out, subscribe. And if you watch the videos and you aren't subscribed, do subscribe because we can see the stats. It's not 100%. Let's let's get it to 100%. It it helps us out a lot. And outside of that, just follow us on Twitter. Jake is on Twitter at reindeer games 91. I'm on Twitter, search Felix Sicard. And on that note, thank you for listening. Thank you for hanging with us until the bitter end and our craziness. And we will talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye.